Welcome to the Beers and Bible Podcast, a podcast that explores God's Word while enjoying the fruits of God's creation. You can find us on Instagram at Beers and Bible underscore, on Facebook by searching Beers and Bible Podcast, and on Twitter at Beers and Bible P1. You can also email us at Beers and Bible Podcast at gmail.com. If you enjoy what you hear on Beers and Bible, please consider leaving a five-star rating and a review on your podcast platform to help us promote this podcast. Billy Currington summed it up well when he said, God is great, beer is good, and people are crazy. So let us join our hosts, Michael and Anthony, for this week's discussion. Welcome back to episode number 81 of the Beers and Bible podcast. My name is Anthony, and I'm happy to be with you. And I'm Michael, and I'm ha- also happy to be with you. It's going to be a good night tonight because we don't have the same beer, but we have the same brewery, and we have the same collection of brews from the same brewery. And it was really kind of a happenstance thing. So um, Anthony texted a picture of his beer. That's typically how we do this. We'll we'll text each other a picture of what we get, and then uh, the other person will – usually me because I usually go later in the week than Anthony does. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so I'll go to the package store and try to find something similar-ish to what Anthony has. And after about five minutes of looking, I usually give up and just go back to <laughs> something that looks good. But anyway, <laughs> so this week Anthony sent me a picture of the beer he got, and it looked very similar to a beer I've seen in the package store several times. And hadn't got yet, obviously. And I went, you know what? Let's go ahead. I'll, I'll get that one. And then I realized as I was going to the counter to check out that it's from the same brewery. So, boom, that works out for us. So, yes, um, it does. We're going back close to, enough. Yeah, uh, we're going back to a brewery that Anthony has uh, reviewed a beer f- before from. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been a, it's been over a year. It's been a long a time. Minute. It's been a second. <laughs> uh, we're going back to Trim Tab Brewing. They're based in Birmingham, Alabama. Um, and we both have, well, at least I can confirm I do. Anthony may or may not, I don't know, um, has a beer from the Cellar Reserve line. His yes. can says it is. Yes. But you can't find it on their website, which. But it's not on the website. Is so. a wee bit shady. So, Anthony, what do you have tonight? What are you drinking? So. I'm drinking the from Trim Tab Cellar Reserve the Salted Maple Stout, mm. and since I'm not on the the uh, website, I'm gonna have to read this uh, off of the can, and it says "Government Warning." <laughs> Sorry, that's the wrong section. <laughs> there is no summary of this one. <laughs> I thought that was the summary of the beer, and no, that's the government warning. Wait, you don't have a, you don't even have like a description or anything. No, it just says malt beverage with natural flavors, imperial stout. Do you have a rocking create. chair on your can? Look Negative under the ghost. I've got nothing, man. I'm not even sure that's trim tab, dude. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's trim tab. It's got the same look. So it definitely says trim tab. Do you have any information? It says, let's see here, salted maple, imperial flavored stout, one pint, uh, brewed with pride in Birmingham, Alabama. Um, no, that's it. That's all I've got. Wow. This is a salted maple stout. So You're going into this blind as a bat. That's right. I know it's going to be salted and maple, and I know it's going to be a stout. <laughs> so what do you have, Michael? <laughs> so I've got also from the Cellar Reserve line from Trim Tab Brewing, 
I've got the Maple Cakes uh, Imperial Stout um, flavored with maple syrup, molasses, and walnuts. It is 8.7 ABV. Brewed for the great outdoors. Sip slow and take it easy. And then the description on it. Um, there's like a rocking chair. I mentioned a rocking chair before. There's a little thing underneath that. It says grab your rocking chair and kick back. This walnut, maple syrup, and molasses flavored stout is brewed for the slow life. 16 ounces of easy living. So well, there you go. Um, also, mine's 16 ounces too. There's also a government warning on mine, just in case you're wondering. <laughs> um, brewed and packaged at Trim Tab Brewing Co. in Birmingham. So um, I've got a similar. It's a maple flavored stout, and mm. Anthony has the salted maple. Uh, which I'll say this salted maple flavor is one of my favorite. There is a, who is it? Bullet. I think uh whiskey makes a salted maple whiskey that is like drinking candy. Oh, and okay. You have to be very, very careful with it. <laughs> is that speaking because from you can, experience? Yes. You yes, get messed it is. up pretty quick. I didn't get quite messed up, but I drank, um, what I thought was a shot and I realized it was probably more like two and a half shots. Um, and I was like, I should probably drink a little bit of water before I do this again, because if I drink any more right now, then I will, uh, I will go, go beyond what I need to. So, um, but yeah, it's, it's really good. It goes down really easy. And I'm hoping this is similar to that mm -hmm. in that, that kind of vein of just going down really easy because I love salted maple, flavored stuff right. like sweet and salty stuff i love it so that was what drew me to this beer uh with no description um but there's only one way to find out how good they are and that's to crack them open let's do so it let's do it three two one crack Ooh, the smell is goodness oh that is that is um very syrupy dude I don't know if you can see this or not. Dude, my, <laughs> mine is the same thing. <laughs> what, dude, we got the same beer with different labels on it, I guarantee you. <laughs> we need to look into that. We should check and see. Um, and we're going to have a minute because I've got too much foam on mine. If we got the same beer, then that's great. Um, Yours is called Maple Cake. Trim Tab Maple Cakes versus Trim Tab... Salted caramel? Salted maple. maple. I mean, it's salted maple. I mean, they're very similar if they're not the same. Yeah. So, I, I found it on Untapped, and it just says, Cellar Reserve Series Imperial Stout Brewed with Maple and Salt. Is what it says. Um, maple cakes is. Let's see here. Flavored imperial stout brewed with maple syrup, molasses, and walnuts. So they're brewed with different stuff. Yeah, they just look insane. very similar. Like the best description I have for what mine looks like coming out of the glass is used motor oil. Yeah, that's what mine looks like, too. Can, like, almost with that same consistency, which is a little... I don't know what to make of that. Look, yeah. look at that. Dude, mine is doing the same thing. Look. That's crazy. Like, very, very porter-ish. 
Yeah. Well, it's a stout, so. It makes sense. That's that's what you would expect. Yep. Well, we might as well turn them up, and we might as well drink them. Well, they're poured, so yeah. See see how they go down. Here we go. Cheers. Bottoms up. Mm. That's definitely mine is thick. Yeah. Holy smokes, mine is thick. Mine is also thick. <laughs> huh. Hmm. All right, so I'll I'll go first since I think I made you go first like the last two weeks. Especially last week after my weird habanero thing that, right. that went on. <laughs> Which I've drank a couple more of those, and I, I feel like I want to downgrade it from five Luthers, but I, I think I'm just going to leave it because it was it was so on point to what they what they said it was going to be. But mm-hmm. anyway, that was last week. So, um, Salted Maple Stout from Trim Tab. All right. First impression is this thing is really thick. It's really, really rich. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. This is this is definitely a dessert beer a uh like i'm gonna have one and then i'm done with it kind of beer i'm not gonna drink multiple of these um just because it's i mean it's heavy it's like eating a um a piece of fudge really rich fudge you can't eat a whole lot of it but it is it is really good um to me though on this one i like a different blend of salt to maple this one to me tastes a little too salty Okay. And not enough maple, not enough sweetness. I can I get there, but like even the aftertaste of it is salty on this one. So so it's just it's a little bit too much salt for me, but it is a good flavor. It is a um for stouts, um, you know, I'm I'm not a huge fan of stouts. I do like them uh every now and then. Mm-hmm. But being that it's just a little bit too salty for me, I feel like it could be balanced a little bit better in the flavor. I'm going to come in, and I'm going to give this one four Luthers. Oh, wow. Okay. I'm going to give it four. Okay. Because it does have good flavor. It's it's a little better than a like what I would give a three and a half. I think it's it's not – if I had to compare it, I would think it's probably as thick or as rich as, like, the Dragon's Milk. Mm-hmm. This is probably the thickest thing I've had since Dragon's Milk. Um, and I liked the flavor of Dragon's Milk a little bit better than the flavor of this one. Uh, and I think I gave Dragon's Milk four and a half, but um, it's it's going to squeeze in at four. I'll put it that way. It's you know it's not a strong four. It's a it's a weak four, mm-hmm. but it's still better than most of the three and a half. So so I'm gonna come in. I'm gonna give my salted maple four Luthers. Huh. <laughs> are you are you wincing when you drink that? <laughs> no. So. I'm not a huge fan of stouts in general. I've done a few on the podcast. um, Maybe. I don't even remember, honestly. Um, And mine, your description of yours being very rich and very thick is also applicable to mine. Um, The Maple Cakes Imperial Stout. Um, The Flavor is, I'm getting a, and maybe, well, that makes more sense now that I read it again. Maple syrup, molasses, and walnuts. Like, molasses is a very thick uh, thing already. Um, 
it's not as sweet as like a maple syrup as I would think a maple syrup would be, but maybe I have a like I have like an Aunt Jemima idea of syrup. <laughs> so maybe I'm not thinking maple syrup. I'm thinking basically like every Canadian just cringed. All, if, all, if there's all any Canadians, Canadians listen. who listen to our podcast <laughs> just went and we're done. Um, not listening to those guys again. No, and I mean. <laughs> Eh? Um, but I mean, this is very molasses forward. And then there's like a little hint of walnut at the very end. Um, okay. It's very thick, very rich. Um, I want to give it four Luthers, but I don't think I can get there. Um, mm-hmm. I'm going to have to I'm going to have to give it three and a half Luthers. OK. And in kind of the opposite of you, this is a strong three and a half. Um the flavor profile is there. Again, I'm not a huge fan of stouts. I don't, I don't seek them out or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to be more lager, ale, even IPA. Um, but I mean, so but this is this is better than most of the threes that we've. Uh, this is better than all the threes we've had. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and what I remember of Dragon's Milk, maybe I, maybe I overranked dragon's milk yeah looking possible i mean I we mean, were new at it back then yeah, we didn't know what we were doing and you could argue you that we still don't um, <laughs> but all that to say like three and a half luthers is not a bad rating and this is also no. a very like dessert type beer it's a yeah. it's a one and done a slow sipper maybe with a pipe or a cigar or something um but uh i mean it's not one that I'm going to go back and get again, which is kind of disappointing because I've seen it in the store that I go to for several weeks now. And I thought, mm-hmm. man, I want I need to try that. I need to try that. And then I now I tried it and I'm like, eh, <laughs> yeah, it's OK. Like, like, it's all right. It's just it's not my fave. So but it's still I mean, it's a decent beer. It's a three, mm-hmm. three and a half Luther's isn't a bad rating. It's middle of the road, right? You're right down Broadway, so to speak. Yeah. Yep. Well, trim tab, there you go. Um, I wish your salted maple stout would have been on the website so I could find it. But I'll still give it four Luthers. It's it's good. It's not my favorite. It's not the, the best stout that I've ever had. Um so like I said. So drink I, so drink in mine. Yeah, I still have some of the Hershey Porter in my fridge because I hoarded them up when I when I could. <laughs> you better not say that too loud. Somebody's gonna come rob your house. <laughs> I mean, but anyway, but now that it's been a few months, and when I mm-hmm. drink one now, it's got a similar ish profile, like flavor profile to the maple cakes that I'm drinking. Yeah, it's not mm-hmm. as strong, obviously, because yeah. it's a it's not a stout, but the flavor profile is very similar. Um, and over time I'm finding that the, like the longer I go, like the less Hershey they taste. <laughs> if I can, maybe you got to shake them up better. I ain't shaking nothing up. <laughs> I shook, I shook that Corona thing up a few weeks ago and about had to, had to buy a new computer almost. So, um, we're, we're still reeling from that one. Yeah. That's terrible. But anyway, so that's what I'm comparing it to now in my head. Um, and I love the Hershey Porter. I gave it five Luthers without, like, I barely had to taste it and I knew I was giving it five <laughs> Luthers. Um, but this one's just, 
there's something off about it and I can't put my finger on it. It's still like yeah. th- a three and a half is not bad. Yeah. If if mine were were less salt and more sweet, had a better balance of salt and sweet, I would probably give this a minimum of four and a half, possibly even five. Hmm. Um, it's just like this. It, it's almost leaving a like a dry feeling in your mouth. You know, when you eat food that's a little too salty, it's just a little bit too salty and it leaves that dry feeling mm-hmm. in your mouth. That's what this one's doing. Gotcha. It's got that. Like when I finish drinking it, I feel like I'm thirsty because I feel like there's like I'm salted, like I've got salt in my mouth. So, no, I don't know. There you go. There's the maple stout, the maple. What was your salt? Maple Maple, cakes, imperial. There you go. Mine's an imperial stout too. Oh, both of them are. So there you go, dude. We're close. I'm willing to bet that they just like rebranded yours. They they didn't sell any of them when they did it salted maple stout so they rebranded it maple cakes <laughs> and they're like ah they're selling like hotcakes <laughs> they're selling like maple cakes <laughs> throw some walnuts in there or call it something different <laughs> so anywho there's uh there's some beer reviewing of the imperial stouts from Trim Tab Brewing um, tonight we're gonna continue on we're gonna we're gonna kind of revamp a little bit of last week so we'll we'll get into that here in just a minute but. We're going to continue on in 1 Peter chapter 2, and we will be back right after this break. Welcome back. We are back. We are. I'm almost done with my beer. Uh, Me too. Yeah, we're getting we're getting to the bottom of the glass here, and we're gonna get into First uh, Peter chapter two. As Anthony alluded before the break, we're going to uh, revisit uh, verses nine and ten from last week. We're gonna dive a little bit deeper into those, as we didn't really get an opportunity to uh, expound on those any uh, last week. But we're also going to go uh, through verse 12 tonight. So if you have your Bible, uh, turn to 1 Peter chapter 2, and we're going to read verses 9 through 12 together. Um, I'm reading from the Holman Christian Standard, and here is what the word says. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his possession, so that you may proclaim the praises of the one who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Dear friends, I urge you as strangers and temporary residents to abstain from fleshly desires that war against you. Conduct yourselves honorably among the Gentiles, so that in a case where they speak against you as those who do what is evil, they will, by observing your good works, glorify God on the day of visitation. Well, amen to that. Um, Peter here, um, and, and kind of one of the reasons that we're we're going to go back and kind of backtrack just a, a couple of verses and recover and then go forward a little bit is because Peter is ending an argument 
and then he's beginning a new argument. He's transitioning to a new section of 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 the the letter. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, again, I'm going to blow everybody's mind with this amazing biblical knowledge, but the the chapters and verses are not a part of the original text. What about the KJV? Um, not a part of the original text. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, so so when this would have been read, it would have been read kind of in these in these sequential argument sections, okay? And and that's part of the reason that that. I always like to argue, you know, when you're when you're looking at a verse, go back a, at least a chapter or two, mm-hmm. get yourself familiar with what's going on, and then read past it a, a little bit so that you know where it's going, and you can that lets you better put the verse that you're reading in context. Yeah, the 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 whole idea of like pulling one verse and trying to apply it to whatever you're trying to argue, whatever it is. Yeah, you could be taking. I mean, we've talked about this like. Excuse me. We've talked about this like way back, even in like the first or second episode, where we talked about like Jeremiah twenty nine eleven and Philippians mm-hmm. four thirteen, where people will oh. take will use those as their laugh verses or whatever, yeah. and and that that's got nothing to do with what's with what the verse is about. Or they'll say yeah. like say things, and I actually have a coffee mug. Um, it's a picture of David and Goliath, and it's labeled. You know, Goliath is labeled Goliath and David is labeled not you. <laughs> and so like, but people will say like, oh, I'm just facing my Goliath right now. I was like, no, you're not. You're, you're facing a trial or a hardship. But if you were to, if you were supposed to be facing Goliath, you would have slayed Goliath, not David. So um, <laughs> if you were facing Goliath, you'd be dead for the record. Just yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, let's be real. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, so here we are. We're we're gonna go back to chapter nine. I'm sorry. We're gonna go back to verse nine uh, of chapter two, and and remember kind of where we left this last week. And we we mentioned all of these titles that that Peter lays out here: chosen race, royal priesthood, holy nation, and we just kind of gave really brief definitions. And that's what we're gonna dive into a little bit deeper here. Mm-hmm. Is all of these individual def- definitions here? And so, what Peter is doing and what he's gonna continually do throughout uh his his letter here is contrast unbelievers to believers unbelievers to believers and and he does this thing where he's like this is what unbelievers are but you're a believer and here's how you're supposed to act um and so and we're actually 210 through i'm trying to remember what all it goes through i think it goes all the way down through like chapter four um he's the next like two chapters are just just a litany of the ways Christians should be in, interacting, involved with, um, approaching the world around them. That's yeah. that's kind of what the next two chapters in the next several weeks hold for us going through this these verses. So, but tonight we're we're going to see Peter make this transition in verses six through eight. He's talking about unbelievers. He's talking about people who stumble. People who who fall over the cornerstone because they were destined to do so, um, and then he contrasts that in verse nine, and he cuts back to uh, describing believers. and And how do we know he does this? He says, "But you." Um, and so, when whenever you're changing the subject, you know it's like, "Oh, well, I could do that, but you know." And and so mm-hmm. it's you you can do that, but you're going to give all the reasons you can't. That's that's what the word "but" is for. It's a it's a contrasting word, and so. 
Whereas all of the people who are unbelievers are are stumbling over stones, they're missing the cornerstone, they don't understand, they don't get Jesus. But you, you are a believer. So here we go. This is what you are. You are a chosen race. Yeah. Okay. Now this comes from Deuteronomy 15 and really from Isaiah. Um, I'm sorry, Deuteronomy 10, verse 15, and then from Isaiah 43, 20. Um, the word chosen there suggests a tie to those who are sharing in God's blessings. Okay. Um, the chosen race is is alluding to Israel, but it's more along the lines of our inheritance. Okay, and, and think of it not necessarily as an ethnic race, as more of a spiritual race. Okay. Yeah. He's already talked about our inheritance in, in chapter one. Um, and, and so he says our inheritance is not of an ethnic origin, but is found in Christ and faith in Christ. Yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. you see that in verses four, you see that in verses seven. Yeah. Um, and so even though he's using ethnic language here. He's not necessarily talking about an ethnic people group, right? So, so it, I think it's important to make that that distinguishing remark there because a lot of times people will read something and they'll read something into it that's not necessarily in the text. Yeah. Um, and so, so chosen race um, suggests that we are tied to God. We are we are chosen to share in God's blessings, and we the race that was is referring to is the group of people. That, that I would define as the church. Um, the church is a chosen group of people, and, and that is God's people, and that's who God is is going to save, is those who are in Christ in the church. Mm-hmm. And um, and so, yeah, so there's chosen race. Now, yeah. take, us through, take us through the royal priesthood and the holy nation. Yeah, so the royal priesthood and holy nation are really kind of tied together. Um, the... You can look at Exodus nineteen sixteen, Revelation one sixteen, Isaiah sixty one six and sixty six two, and then Deuteronomy seven sixteen um, to kind of kind of get an idea of what Peter's talking about here. But a, the royal priesthood is a promised status to all who are in the covenant. Um, that that means if you are in relationship with Jesus, if you have trusted Him as your Savior. Your royal priesthood is promised. Yeah. That's not something and it's not something you have to earn. It's not something you have to work for. And we've talked about that almost ad nauseum where <laughs> you nothing you can do can earn the love of Jesus. It's only your faith in him that earns your salvation. That's um right. so again, it, it the the promised status is bestowed on those who trust in Jesus. Um and, and again, the holy nation, like Anthony already talked about, has nothing to do with a geographical or an ethnic um, location or an ethnic identity, but it's all about the people who call on Jesus in, in its revelation. It's in Revelation where it's – I guess it's Revelation. It has to be where it says every, every you know, every tribe, every, tribe, every nation, every tongue, like – a believer in Georgia is is believes in the same Jesus as a believer in Alabama mm-hmm. believes in the same Jesus as a believer in Africa or yeah. China or Korea yeah. or Australia. Like like the Jesus we believe in is the same Jesus and we are all unified in um into his race. Yeah. It's it really gets back to something that we have talked about a little bit. 
Um, and, and that is kind of like this fundamental unity of, of what the church actually is. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, we talk about having different denominations and, you know, you've got the Catholic church, the Episcopal church, the Methodist church, the, which one's right, which one's wrong. And, you know, we can, we can believe some different theologies. We can believe some different doctrines, but there are core central doctrines that, that require you to be in Orthodox Christianity. Mm-hmm. And, one of those is in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, who was God, uh, the second person of the Trinity. Um, you have to confess that, and that's the Jesus that you have to confess mm-hmm. in order to be considered um, a part of what what I would call little C Catholic Church, meaning the the unified global church. Right. Um, you know, we can have differences on on eschatology, we can have differences on ecclesiology, we can have all kinds of differences that don't that are gospel important, but they're not gospel essential. Right. And and so um another another kind of interesting tidbit that I that I like in this in these two things is the idea of the royal priesthood. It's when you are a believer in Jesus um, and and this is where I'm going to differ greatly from Catholics who who believe in Jesus. Um, now there are some Protestants who would say that no Catholics believe in Jesus, but uh, I'm not going to go that far because I think that there are a lot of genuine Catholics who have put their faith and trust in Christ for their for their salvation. And um, <clears throat> but we're not here to debate Catholic theology tonight. But I, I do want to make this distinction that. The, the Catholic Church sees a priest as an, an official office that you have to have in the church, whereas I think, uh, I believe that Scripture teaches that every person who is in Christ is a priest. Mm. They, they, the priest is simply a mediator between God and man. And so um, Scripture specifically tells us in Hebrews that there is one mediator between God and man, and that is the man Christ Jesus. Right. So Jesus is our high priest. Uh, Jesus is the one who intercedes on our behalf to the Father. But we we uh, we have what's called the priesthood of all believers, where we don't have to go through a mediary to get to Jesus. Yeah, we have access to him exactly. at any time. We don't have to, you know... Yeah. Is it Big C Catholic, if we're going to talk Big C, Little C? Um, yeah, so Big C Catholic is like Roman Catholic Church. Gotcha. Little C Catholic is like uni- unified or... or Unified uh, global church, regardless yeah, of denomination. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. like Big C Catholic Church, you confess your sins in a confessional to the priest, and the priest is supposed to. I wouldn't know because I'm not Big C Catholic. Um, yeah. But the no, I've never been to confession. Yeah, there's a there's a confession. I've never been to confession. Yeah, so <laughs> we we don't know. We're like speaking completely out of, um, we don't have any knowledge of what what happens there. So if you if you do and you're listening to the podcast, please reach out and, and, and enlighten us. Um, yeah. So we don't really know what happens after confession if the priest says, okay, do however many hail marys or do yeah. you know heal like so there's. That part of They're, that part of they that, give you that part of Catholicism they, does not make sense. Like yeah, they give you so they they have what's called sacraments, and and all of these sacraments are ways that you can earn grace. And one of them is confession, and then the other one, what comes out of confession, is penance. And so you go to the priest, you confess your sins, and then he gives you something to do. Now they have 
this is where I don't know. They have certain lists of like, if you lie, you have to say three Hail Marys. If you do this, you have to say 20 Hail Marys. If you, you know, if you kill somebody, you have to say like a billion. I don't know. Uh, I don't know what that part is, but Mm -hmm. I do know you go in and confess and he gives you something to do and that's your penance. Right. And, and that's what kind of merits your way back into, into salvation. Yeah. And in all seriousness, if you are a Catholic and you're listening to the podcast, please reach out to us and, and enlighten us into that process because we don't know. and if I've got that wrong, tell me. Yeah, we just, we just we just don't know, and we don't want to be speaking out of out of place or out of turn. We we we're, we understand that there are people who are Catholics who also believe in Jesus, mm-hmm. um, and, and, but we just want to be respectful of that. So, yeah, just want to say that there. Um, so, Anthony, we talked about royal priesthood. We talked about the holy nation. Um, yep. The next thing that Peter talks about is a people for his own possession. Yeah, and and he's going to draw this from Exodus 19, uh, Deuteronomy chapter 7, uh, Isaiah 43, Malachi chapter 3. Um, a lot of times where he mentions, and, and really you can go through a lot of the prophets and uh, major and minor prophets and mm-hmm. see where where God calls uh, a people for his own possession. And, and um, you know... There, I heard I was listening to another podcast actually this week, and I heard I heard a guy argue that that it's it's kind of out. It, I'm trying to remember exactly how he worded, it, but he basically made the argument that that God doesn't choose a person or he doesn't choose a, a, a thing. And I, I think he was making the argument against individual election and not necessarily like corporate election. But I'm like, man, that's a that's a very dangerous slope mm-hmm. to slide down because if you're going to say that God doesn't choose, then you've basically ruled out the whole Old Testament because God clearly chooses people in the Old Testament, individuals and groups. Yeah, God. I mean, and God so, chose Israel over and over and over and over and over and over and over yeah. and over. So, and he chose Israel before they were anybody, before, before they were, they were Israel, Israel yeah. he chose them, mm-hmm. you know. And he said, I'm going to make you into this. Yeah. And and so, so you know, anyway— um, so we are we are a people. The church is a people for His own possession, and our calling. This type of calling should not produce pride in us. Um, this should not produce something that says, "Oh, I'm chosen and you're not." You mm-hmm. know, um, we've talked a little bit about the doctrine of election on this church on on this podcast, and and I want to reiterate here: the doctrine of election is not something that should cause pride. And if it causes pride in you, you don't understand the doctrine of election. Right. You've got it completely wrong. Yeah. Um, and so, so our calling does not produce pride, but it does produce a grateful heart that longs for what we talked about at the beginning of chapter two, uh, the spiritual milk so that we can be built up into spiritual houses. That's the, the process of discipleship. We saw that in verses five and six that recognizes that we have been chosen by God here in verse, verse eight, nine, and, and then going on. And then in turn, we turn around and we give God all the glory. That's yeah. the purpose of this of this election. That that the the purpose of God choosing us mm-hmm. is so that we can proclaim His glory. Yeah. Um. And and even even in judgment, the people who don't, uh, who are not chosen, still proclaim God's glory in in exemplifying His justice to the rest of the world. Yeah. Um. But all the more so, Christian believer chosen one god's own possession here in first peter uh, 
you need to be a reflection of God's glory to the nations. You need to be the one who is proclaiming the excellencies of him who called you where out of darkness, which is where you were, and he puts you into his marvelous light. Yeah. Um, so, so, and I, I think I may have just like totally skipped ahead on our, on our notes. No, you're good. Uh, um, go ahead. Yeah. No, I just want to say like in your notes, I think you do a, a fantastic job of tying this whole process of first Peter two together where you're, we're longing for the spiritual milk that leads to us building, being built into spiritual houses that recognizes being chosen by God and proclaims his glory. Like we're longing for Jesus. We're longing to be discipled. We are going through the process of discipleship. Mm-hmm. We've realized that we've been chosen by God for a purpose for, for this time for a purpose. Yeah. And then in turn, we proclaim his glory to all the earth. I think that is a great, um, a great way of showing the whole process from beginning to end. Yeah. And, and just like a simple reading of verses one through nine of, of chapter two here, I don't know if I, I could have put those all together that succinctly, <laughs> but like reading, reading through it after you've put the notes together, I'm like, Oh, that makes a lot of sense. So, um, <laughs> Well, then I'll just use that to plug once again. This is the reason I love expository teachings in church. Yeah. Because when you when you cherry pick verses one and two, or you cherry pick verse eight, you don't get the whole flow of the argument of verse one all the way to verse nine. Right. But if you preach through verse by verse, word by word, take it. Pastor, I'm, I'm encouraging you to do that. Preach the Word of God systematically. Start at the beginning of a book, go to the end of a book, because that is the kind of stuff that you draw. You know, I I appreciate the encouraging words on the notes, but I didn't do that. Peter did that. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) You know, all I did was notice what Peter did. And and so, you know... um, it, that's again. That's I love that the Word of God does that for us. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it puts it together for us. It's yeah. it's so simple that that the the shallowest Christian can see it. Yet it's so deep that the deepest theologian will never reach the bottom. Right. And so yeah. So anyway, so we are to to encourage. We're to declare the excellencies of the one who called us from darkness and into His marvelous light. And we do this because. I've, because of our status in Christ. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the world does not define us who we are. The world does not give us our status. The world does not determine anything about us. Everything is determined. Every bit of our worth is found in the person and work of Jesus Christ. Our status is in Christ yeah. and nothing else. Yeah, we have no status in this world. Like It doesn't matter how powerful you are or how much money you have or what authority you have if you're a believer in Jesus your your earthly status means nothing and even if you're not a believer in Jesus your earthly status means nothing but more so if you are a believer because our value and our worth and our identity is found yeah. in Jesus and what he's done for us um in any time that we're that our identity is found in anything other than Jesus we need to be checking ourselves um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I've, I've told, I've had this discussion before, but if your identity as a believer is in your marital status, 
or your parental status Mm -hmm. or your job or what you've accomplished in the past and not, I'm a follower of Jesus. Like that should be the first thing that people know about you, not who you're married to, how many kids you have, what your kids do, what you've done, what you do in work. Like, like if you're a believer in Jesus, Jesus should be the, the forefront. And that's really challenging. And and it's hard. Mm -hmm. It's hard for me to say that because I know I have failed at that. Yeah. Um, Well, it's even hard in today's society because our culture, our society, everything around us tells us that we are defined by what we own, where we live, what we do, how much money we make, how many kids we have. All of that is defined by the society Mm -hmm. for us. Yeah. And if we don't meet society's standards, then we're somehow shunned or shamed or you don't meet this specific status quo. And so, so you're, you know, you're not right. But when your identity is wedded to the person and work of Christ, all of that becomes secondary. Yeah. And, and you hear, you know, I, I think about the story of John Piper, an incredibly famous, um, I mean, the man, the man has sold millions of books and preached hundreds or possibly thousands of sermons uh, all over the place. I mean, there's there's really not a place in the United States that that most Christians don't know at least the name of John Piper, mm-hmm. and and yet this is a guy who lives in a what a lot of people would define as a hood, uh, a very bad part of of Minneapolis, Minnesota, um, because he felt God was calling him to live there to yeah. minister to the people who were around him. Yeah. And and he's adopted, uh, you know, he's he's got an interracial family because he's adopted people, he's adopted children who were not of the same race that he was because he felt like God was calling him to yeah. to do that to reach out. And so, you know, when we find our worth in Christ, that's the kind of uh, of status that we see. That's the kind of of reaction that we see. Yeah. Um. And and it's challenging to me because you know. I'm the first person, man. I want to buy a house in the right neighborhood because I want to make money on my house. You know, I want to, I want to live in a place where my property values are going to go up, uh, you know, not down. I don't want to lose money, and so you know, I'm I'm really careful. I don't think about things like that, and so it just it makes you rethink a yeah. lot of things when you think when you try to frame your entire life as your status in Christ. It really makes you reconsider a lot of the things that you do. Yeah, and, and I mean. What I'm what I'm about to say is going to be maybe challenging and potentially hurtful to some people, but I feel like there are a lot of churches that fail miserably at this, mm. that fail miserably at, you know, if you're an older single person, there's not a lot of opportunities for you to be a part of a ministry that's just like single people, not like, I'm not talking about like college single people, like some people are called to singleness. Yeah. Some people are not called to get married and have kids. And then you get married and you're not called to have kids right away. Um, like when, when we got married, there was a lot of um, challenges, like not challenges, but a lot of, a lot of questions about like, when are y'all going to have kids mm-hmm. from the church? And I'm like, yeah, when we feel like it, yeah, like when we're, when we're <laughs> ready that, and, and, and you know, and then there are people who can't have kids or, or whatever it is. And there's so many times where I feel like the church has this idea of what, like, what a, what a Christian should look like. A Christian mm-hmm. should be 
married with two and a half kids and yeah and and, and all these things and sometimes sometimes a christian's not called to get married or sometimes a christian yeah. a christian mm-hmm. married couple's not called to have kids yeah and i feel like churches need to get to a point where they're okay with that yeah and and let believers live the life that god's called them to not the life that they feel mm-hmm. they've been called to yeah the the church is just as destructive as the the regular society is in a lot of these areas mm-hmm. because the church has their own preconceptions of what people should be yeah and and that's where you end up in and in, in a form of legalism and fundamentalism and and um, I mean it, it's you 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 end up there not on purpose, but but because you're putting value to things that the Word of God doesn't put value on. Right. Um. When when our value is found outside of Christ, then then we we tend to to lean towards legalistic tendencies yeah. and fundamentalist tendencies yep. and. And so, and that can happen to anybody, and and it and sadly it happens inside the church worse than anybody else. And if you don't believe me, just go walk around your city for a little while and see if anybody has ever been hurt by the church. Um, and then and then openly listen to their story. Yeah. And and see if you wouldn't have been if you wouldn't have felt the same way. Right. You know. So. But uh. But yeah. So we're gonna we're gonna keep trucking on here. That was a little bit of a rabbit trail, but we're gonna keep moving on. Um. To verses 11 and 12, and and like we said, 9 and 10 kind of sum up, and we went a little bit deeper than we did last week in, in 9 into 10. Um, but 11 and 12, uh, Peter starts off verse 11 um, by saying, Beloved, I urge you as uh, sojourn- so mine says sojourners and exiles. What does your say? Strangers and temporary residents. Strangers, okay, so an exile would be a stranger, and a sojourner would be a temporary resident. Uh-huh. Okay, so we essentially have the same words, but but what what Peter is transitioning to is a, a really what's kind of expected in the Gospels. You're to be in the world, but not of the world. Yeah, you're to be a part of the world, but you're not to live like the world. Yeah, um, that's where sojourners and exiles come from, and and so this introduces a second uh, argument or a second kind of section of of the letter that Peter's going to move into for the next two to three chapters here, um, where he's talking about this, how we're supposed to live yeah, and how we're supposed to conduct ourselves in this world as believers. And so he's going to give some really good life application. Um, what we introduced in one, one all the way up to this point, two ten, he's going to give some really good application to all of that stuff. Yeah. And the first thing he says is that we should abstain. Um, and and the word abstain here just literally means continually keep away. It's in the present context or, or the present use of the verb. And he says, you know, to continually keep away. This really is a rebuke on the society um, that that puts in in this day they would have put their their hope and their trust in feelings. And I realize what I just said that that was in this day, and that sounds a lot like today. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Peter could have written this letter to us. He he really could have, um, and it just shows you the the application of the word of God and, yeah. and how it it never loses its power. Yeah. Um, but this is a rebuke on the society of Peter's day. 
um, people people were placing their hopes and their trust and their feelings, what they what they could feel, what they could get their hands on, um, instead of using scripture, using uh, which in that time they would have really only had the Old Testament and maybe these letters, a couple of the Gospels at this time. Um, instead of using that as their guide for decision-making, they were using their feelings. They were saying, oh, this is what I think I should do, or oh, I feel like I should do this. Mm-hmm. Instead of saying, Scripture has led me to do this, or the Word of God has taught me to do this, or the apostles at this time, you know, the apostles are teaching us to do this. Yeah. Um, and so... There, there's a really good quote by a guy named Wayne Grudem, and and I like Wayne Grudem because he's he's a very level-headed guy, and he thinks through things critically. But he says this uh, really about these two verses, 11 and 12. He says, Christians living in an unbelieving society must avoid sinful desires and continually maintain exemplary life, exemplary patterns of life so that unbelievers will be saved and God will be glorified. There is no reason to doubt that such a strategy for evangelism would still work today. Mm. And I love that he ties that to evangelism because so many times we think evangelism has to be um, standing on a street corner or knocking on doors or this or or there's certain patterns you have to follow or certain things you have to do. When in reality, the best evangelism is simply living your life to the glory of God. Yeah. And affecting those people who are around you. Yeah. The... There was a time when the door-to-door evangelism, the standing on the street corner, the mall evangelism, I think I've heard that Mm -hmm. said too. Like there was a time when that was effective. 2021 is not the time. No. The time has passed. The time has passed. And and now I feel like people who don't don't know Jesus – and I know I just said I feel and you were talking about feelings. So (laughs) like I've – looking back on things, I realize that I say I feel like a lot. um, Yeah. But – that, that that is how I feel. So, um, but the right now, people want authentic relationships with people mm-hmm. without hearing what your agenda for the authentic relationship is. Yes, and, and if we can get past like the I've got to evangelize to this person or I've got to share the gospel with this person, like just get to know them, just get to know. Yeah who they are and what they do and, and what they like and what they don't like. And you also share the things that you like and don't like and do and don't do. And at some point, Jesus Christ, like Jesus doesn't have to be the first thing out of your mouth. When you meet somebody, I shouldn't be like, hi, I'm Michael. Would you like to know about Jesus? No one is going to say yes in that, in that situation. Yeah. Yeah. Right now in 2021, it's all about building relationships with people. People yes. want to know that they are cared for. Yes. And if they think if they have any inkling that you don't really care about them, they're not going to be interested in anything you have to say. Yeah. That's because people are, have been so jaded yeah. for so long that they, you know, and, and a lot of times if people find out you're with a church, they're they're they'll be hesitant to be your friend. Yep. Yeah. You know, um, that's that's part of the reason this podcast exists because, you know, we're we're sliding this in a in a vein that doesn't typically fit in church venues because we want to uh, reach out to people who are outside and you know there may be somebody who who stumbles on this podcast who's like man this thing's about beer I'm gonna listen to that and then they realize that we're not just talking about beer but we're also talking about the Bible yeah and and it's two things that a lot of 
uh, society, people in society and culture would not put together. And so, yeah, that you know, that leads us there. It, it leads us into that that section. Yeah, I mean, typically, alcohol and the Bible don't go hand in hand in the world. You don't you don't yeah. see the two holding hands a lot. But if you think about it, I mean, we've we've hashed this hash us out <laughs> over the last almost two years at this point. But I mean, alcohol is in the Bible and is never really condoned except for not getting drunk. So yeah. Um it it, it almost makes sense that the two could go together. Yeah. And and believers I don't think should be appalled at the idea of the two going together. Mm-hmm. I mean, like I've shared on the podcast before some of my best conversations have been had with people over a beer, over a mixed drink, or, or whatever it is. Some yeah. of my best conversations about Jesus, not just best conversations, period, but best conversations about Jesus have been had over a beer. Yeah. And, and that should, I mean, if you're, yeah. if you're, if you're some of your best conversations about Jesus are had with a beer, I don't think you can say that beer is an issue. Yeah. Nine times out of ten, it's not. And and nine times out of ten, people are really just looking for genuine, authentic mm-hmm. people who want to engage with them on a genuine, authentic level. Yeah. Not people who only want to engage with the purpose of trying to evangelize them. Yeah. That's all I have to say. I was about to say, I feel like that was another <laughs> bit of a rabbit trail. So, um, so I guess maybe to close out tonight, um, I wanted to share something that I had read in a uh, book. Um, and it's a book that I haven't read like beginning to end. I've really only read a few chapters, maybe even a few pages. So, um, but it's a book called 66 love letters by Larry Crabb. Um, and it's really a conversation between the writer and God. So he's, Going through each book of the Bible, there's 66 books of the Bible. Um, he's going through each of them and kind of like writing kind of what he's feeling and then writing what he would imagine God's response to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in this section of First Peter, um, here's kind of here's kind of something that I pulled out as I was reading this. And I thought this was so maybe maybe a good place to wrap up tonight. Um, so this is God's response to a question that had been asked and it says following me requires groaning living as a stranger in a world that only can leave you disappointed but know this only in the felt and accepted tension of unmet longings will you prepare your mind not for comfort but for action for living as a stranger devoted to bringing my kingdom to earth only in tension will you depend enough on my word and my spirit to enter the battle whose victory is guaranteed. And I want you to understand the healing I provide through my son's wounds. Despite the claims of feel-good preachers, I have not promised to heal sickness or poverty or unemployment or painful emotions or relational problems. Not until heaven. Those are all second things. I sometimes provide them in this world. I sometimes don't. Pray for them, but never demand them. Don't expect me to keep promises I have not made. 
coming home to me is the first thing. And something that Larry Crowd has talked about a lot is separating first things from second things. And we talked about that a little bit tonight, where the first thing, if you're a follower of Jesus, should be, I trust in Jesus, I trust in his sacrificial death, I trust in his resurrection, I trust that he is my provider and he is one with God, I trust in, I trust in the Trinity, um, and, and I believe that every word of the Bible is true, I believe um, I believe in, in the commandments, I, I do my best to follow them, and, and, and those are the things that are first things. And when you talk about we talk about second things is when we start start talking about the stuff that Anthony's talked about, where um, it, it, it's the stuff that basically creates the denominations, if you will. Yeah. And at the end of the day, our first thing should always be the glory of Jesus, and should always yeah. be making sure we're honoring Him. Yeah. So. Well, amen to that, and and that's a that's a great place to leave that, and so so I'm just gonna I'm gonna leave it right there. That's good. That's good stuff. Mic drop. So, Michael, if they did want to search for us on uh, social media platforms, where would they search for us on social media platforms? You can find us on Instagram at beers and Bible underscore. You can find us on Twitter at beers and Bible P one. You can find us on Facebook by searching for Beers and Bible Podcast and looking for our logo. You can also email us at beersandbiblepodcast at gmail.com. And we would love to hear from you. If you have any input, insights, uh, questions, or beer suggestions, we would love to hear those from you. And we look forward to uh, hearing from you guys. And uh, if you are enjoying what you're hearing, on the podcast leave us a review and a like and subscribe and all that stuff that people say to do on podcasts so like and share like and share yep like and share so um but I, we're enjoying this study here in first peter um we're it's good a, a few weeks in here and and we're gonna keep rolling and at some point we'll move on to a different book if you have a suggestion for that as well we'd, we'd love to hear that throw it out now because you never know Yep. We never know. So. so. Well, uh, until another week, uh, until next week, we hope your beer stays cold. We hope your Bible stays open. And uh, we will see you later. Peace out. <laughs>